0: Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Floyd. And thank you for listening.
1: One Nation Sports.
2: Yeah, what's good? This is Wale, and this is One Nation Radio. You yeah, know.
0: Welcome to One Nation Radio. Um, I'm sitting here with uh, James. James, what's going on, man? Not much, man. And uh, we have a special guest, uh, the doc chad matthews chad how's it
3: going
0: oh i'm good man long day of work here to talk about some some wrestlemania uh previewing that stuff and going over a lot of the stuff with your book and also the history of wrestlemania so it's gonna be a good podcast for everybody so you know everybody get your beers you know get your water however you like to you know set the mood and you know Hear all this stuff. So, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Chad, you just give us a little I- intro about yourself, just like let everyone on One Nation Radio know who you are and, you know, the stuff, your your history within uh, the wrestling writing community, wrestling media community, and so
3: on. I started back in 2004 writing for a website called Lords of Pain.net. I was doing my undergraduate work at the time and had a summer where I didn't have a lot going on, but going to school and uh, just decided to give writing a try, and it sort of became a hobby for me. And I've been been writing columns for about uh, about 12 years almost, and um, and during the uh, during the latter part of 2010, I was reading a book by Bill Simmons, my favorite uh, basketball writer. He wrote a book called The Book of Basketball, the NBA, According to the Sports Guy*, And I thought, man, it would be great if somebody wrote something like this about pro wrestling. And uh, I looked over at my wife, and she said, well, why don't you write it? I said, hmm, why don't I write it? So I uh, started researching that next year, and uh, the next thing you know, three years later, the book was published. And the WrestleMania era, the book of sports entertainment, second edition, actually just came out about two weeks ago so uh, um, it's it's been uh, it's been fun I've started got got into the podcasting thing myself and uh, good podcast that. by the way thank you thank you very much uh, it's called the doc says um, so uh, I've basically just immersed myself in the pro wrestling world as a hobby and it's been uh, it's been fun uh, I, I enjoy writing about it and talking about it so I've uh, Nowadays, luckily, we have all kinds of different outlets for us to do that.
0: Right. Uh, James and I also are huge Bill Simmons fans. Um, we both actually own that book of basketball. and yeah. I, I when I first got it, I, I read the whole thing in a week. Um, and, you know, I, cr- I reread it from time to time. James, you have the second edition, right?
2: Yeah. I, I, I skim through that and look. And, like, in my head, as years play out, like, in my head, like, an update in my mind, like, mentally, like, where's Durant? Durant's not in the book yet if there ever is a version, but like right now you imagine where he is. And then I, in my head, I imagine every, after every year where LeBron is and Kobe and that kind of stuff too. Wade. Yeah. Where Westbrook will be eventually the way he's playing right now. That's that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> can so with that said, like with the releases, so Chad, can we expect like, um, some updates in the future even on, on this, uh, WrestleMania
3: era book? Well, right now the plan is to is to update it at least every two years. Wow, um, we uh, we with the the way that the first book was uh, was able to sell, um, it. Uh, there's been interest in doing other editions, so uh, that's the plan right now. Is we'll update it at least every other WrestleMania. Uh, if I have the time, then I will do my best to. Updated every year, uh, but it, I don't know. It's kind of like when you talk about the book of basketball. Uh, will one year really give you enough new information to do something with? Uh, time will tell. So, if all these guys at WrestleMania this year, um, from Wyatt to the Shield, the former Shield members, to uh, um, let's see, I feel like I'm leaving somebody Daniel out. Daniel Bryan. <laughs> if they if they get it going, then. Over the next several months, and we'll see. I might do an update for WrestleMania 32, but right now the plan is to do an update every other year.
0: Right. Um, one of the one of the things I was impressed with was how you actually formulated the book and came up with the rankings. Could you explain uh, the, the the criterion for um, you know those that haven't heard about it yet?
3: Well, when I read Bill Simmons' book, it was very analytical in its approach to ranking and filing all the top basketball players in history. And, um, you know, it's it, it's always so subjective when we talk about wrestling because everybody's got their definition. Yep. People like to base who they think the greatest is on who drew the most money. Some people like to talk about who had the greatest matches. Some people talk about who had the longest career. And I figured all of those different statistics were all pertinent. So uh, I put them all together. I took the, uh, the matches – the match quality, the TV ratings, and the pay-per-view buys, the championships won, uh, just stripped it down to the pure elements. How well can they talk? How well can they wrestle? What do they look like? And um, and then the headlining matches to account for how long their careers lasted. I feel like a guy like Taker, who's been around for 25 years, there should be some credit given to how long he's been able to stay at the top versus a guy like, say... Um, you know, like a Batista who was really only a top guy for about five years. Mm -hmm. Um, I took all those things into account, equally, equally rated them. Um, didn't really give more credit to one over the other and just crunched the numbers. And it was very analytical in coming up with that. And, um, you know, I am a big fan of sports analytics and it seems kind of strange to take something like pro wrestling and make it analytical like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> J-
0: really James is big into the analytics. Me, I'm a little bit more on the Charles Barkley side of things. <clears throat> but um the uh the analytics like when it comes to wrestling, as you said there are a lot of different factors that goes into, you know, who's on top of the card, who's, yeah. you know, who's going to go down is the best and I the analytics actually I think apply perfectly to wrestling.
2: Yeah. And the thing, the thing it certainly
3: co- yielded some interesting results, some of which were fairly controversial, especially in the top ten. But uh,
0: we're gonna I get there it, in I a minute. Think it ended up very
2: <laughs> accurately reflecting everything.
0: All right. Yes, i James. Yeah.
2: yeah, and like one thing that when people hear the word analytics, they just their mind just just goes like blah, because you know people are you know generally kind of scared of numbers, and when you think about it, all it is is just something to give you context. Mm-hmm. and to give you an idea Absolutely. of something like it's not like numbers aren't necessarily the end all be all to every single thing especially in like you know not necessarily sports entertainment or what he's doing with his book but just in general when it comes to basketball but when it comes to uh as you said you looked into television ratings i imagine it had to be a very large in just a large burden to do to go through it all the you know trying to figure out where to go even to go to even find ratings for uh certain um segments and everything like that that was probably the
3: hardest part. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I felt like I needed something because, I mean, if you're going to sit down and have a conversation about basketball, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really easy to just say, okay, who got, all right, let's start with who won the most championships. All right. Bill Russell is going to be at the top. So, and then you work your way down and, you know, Jordan won six and you can use championships as, an, as one. And then you've got other statistics scoring and rebounding and assists that you can use. And then, number of wins in the regular season, number of losses in the playoffs. You can use all that. And it makes it so that it's easier to shape the list of the guys that you would really put on the, the list of the greatest basketball players. And you can do that with any other sport. And with wrestling, those numbers are out there. I mean, you just have to, you have to like, you actually have to put some thought into some of them. You have to, and it's not right. as easy to find your spot on with that. I mean, it took, that was the longest task, uh, <laughs> In, in coming up with the statistics was by far the longest task was TV ratings. Because those are not, you know, there's so many of them. We're talking about 52 weeks a year uh, since 1993. Oh. Looking through and, you know, trying to find the segments. And for whatever reason, WWE has got their stuff on lockdown. And, um, you know, it's, and it ends up being from a lot of different insiders. Sources that you're getting this stuff. It's not like you can just pull it up on WWE.com and say, "All right, what was the pay-per-view buy rate for her in your house five Right. So it, it, mm-hmm. takes, it took a while. It took a while.
0: And then, like, you got to compensate for the for you know historical stuff. Like a uh, a certain buy rate might mean something in a certain year, and then later, you know, it's like, "Oh, okay, it's not really that impressive."
2: Yeah, because television, like Absolutely. for example, television ratings in 1998. Um, and on any, on any platform, any state network or broad, sorry, broadcast or cable it's going to want to be a lot larger number than it is in 2015 uh, or 14 right. when, you know, there's, there's more way more TV. television and people are DVRing stuff and people are pirating stuff, you know? So, oh, yeah, yeah especially that
0: guy sitting across the table <laughs> from me, <Right>? Especially, <laughs> so I, I can imagine
2: it's just, you know, it, it, as you said, is the context and you have to, uh, put that into, um. In, into uh into proper perspective uh so as you were saying about um some of the controversy for you personally uh after you crunch numbers for you which um what wrestler uh was the most surprising his ranking was the most surprising to you
3: um
2: definitely Hulk Hogan's um
3: I guess you could tie him and Steve Austin's frankly when you, when you look at that from the outside, and you've had these conversations so many times over the years, I mean, those are two guys that are always right at the top of that conversation. Um, and then when I actually crunched the numbers and they were not right at the top and were actually there were several guys ahead of them, then I, I kind of did a double take. Um, and I was like, okay, all right, how, how fully invested am I going to go? with these numbers that I, because I mean, I revised the list and I revised the numbers and I got really comfortable with the, the actual, the actual statistics and how they broke down. And when I actually put together that list, once I crunched all the numbers and saw that those two guys ranked where they did, you know, I was like, okay, when I start pitching this, (laughs) uh, people are going to say, is he drunk? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I'm almost going to have to, include a caveat that says, look, I mean, I've, I've taken into account all this data that I don't think anyone else has really crunched in the same way, and this is what the results showed, and I mean, if you know pro wrestling, then the guys listed ahead of them, I mean, it's not that big a stretch of imagination, but it certainly has created for, um, it certainly has been the the biggest source of controversy in the book to this point, is um, it, it's not necessarily who's in the top 10, but the order of who's in the top. 10. Right. Um, you know, I had, I had one particular, uh, editor who I will leave nameless for <laughs> the company that he represents, but, uh, he, his, his words were, you know, your book is, 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 is quite bold. And I said, well, uh, that's, that's a good thing. Right. And he said, yeah, it's, it's definitely engaging. So, um, you know, I don't, I, hopefully, hopefully it's, it's not something that, um, it does not appear to have, to have affected many people's opinions, uh, I've really, for the most part, gotten a lot of great feedback, um, mm-hmm. on the book, which I'm happy about, but, uh, even the people that loved it did not love where Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan ranked.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I imagine. <laughs> the,
2: uh,
0: the next, like, controversial thing, like, me being a guy that, I've read the first book and the second book, um the whole, <clears throat> you had one guy, you had John Cena and Ric Flair. And I'm sure that that's going to set off cannons. Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned, you know, going on going from one book to another, certain guys have jumped. Uh, we've seen lots of wheels. Yeah. Lesnar took a big jump. Uh, okay. Daniel Bryan took a jump. Um, uh, the shield broke in. Orton. Orton. Uh, he went up one, I believe.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: only one. Okay. Uh, but, the whole John Cena versus Ric Flair thing, could you could you explain um, to to folks who may think you're insane um, <laughs> on the fact, uh, on Cena jumping Flair? I'm oh, just going to say it. I don't want to spoil too much, but Cena jump Flair, everyone.
3: Well, let's put it this way. Um, when you start taking into account statistical data for pro wrestling, they're much like there would be for basketball. There's certain, certain guys that the analytics are just going to love. Uh, yeah. Like Chris Paul, analytics love Chris Paul. Yeah, I don't personally think that Chris Paul is that great. I think Chris Paul's really, really good. But, you know, if you take, take a step back and look at the traditional arguments, then Chris Paul doesn't really belong anywhere close to the conversation. But the analytics love him. The analytics in pro wrestling love John Cena. Um, and if you take a step back and you look at it from the more traditional argument, obviously Ric Flair much like Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin. I mean, those guys have just carried so much nostalgic weight that uh, it seems crazy to put John Cena ahead of any of them, much less all of them. Um, But at the end of the day, John Cena's been around for a really long time. John Cena's got one less world championship over five less years. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not really that big of a difference if you look at it. Ric Flair had 16 world championships over 15 years. John Cena's got 15 world championships over 10 years. It's not that big of a difference, um, but because of the era that John Cena's come up in, he's headlined pretty much nonstop. The fact that he's so durable has worked in his has worked in his favor as well. I mean, the guy's never really been out for more than three or four months, even with injuries that have typically kept other people out for well over double that time um i i personally have always felt he's very underrated as a performer um his style's not for everybody but he gets it done Uh, if you look across and not just my own uh critical star ratings if you will for his matches but if you look across the critical landscape there are so many people that hold John Cena in a high regard. So right. there are a lot of fans that don't like the guy, and there's of course a lot of people in the critical community that um, doesn't really favor John Cena. But his track record amongst the uh, amongst some of the the bigger name guys that do star ratings for, uh, you know, the Dave Meltzers and Wade Keller's of the world. I mean, they all. I mean, he's got a long, long, long list of classic matches. Uh, yeah, it what, may not what, be what on I player's say, level
0: what what i say Fun always job. is cena's been like the man having good matches for pretty much a longer time than anybody like austin you know yeah. his run was real quick rock was in and out triple h was never quite number 1 um flair you know it was in wcw you know you couldn't really say he was number 1 um but cena i want cena won me around around um night of champions 2012 um, that was that was the time where I started coming around on Cena, because you know we uh, came back to watching pro wrestling a little bit after WrestleMania twenty seven, pretty much right before the pipe bomb, and uh-huh. just seeing Cena, it was like this guy's the world champion. Like, because first of all, we had a problem with the whole rapper gimmick. Like, <laughs> gotcha. uh, it, it was it, it just seemed so corny, and you know everything. It was a gay joke, or it was.
2: Something homoerotic. Yeah, and it was homosexual.
0: just, it was just, yeah, like, all right, cool, like.
2: But, but ultimately, but ultimately, when you think about it, and you, 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 if, you watch wrestling, if you watch wrestling long enough, like, and you're trying to be objective about the thing, you have to think, you have to, he has to have your respect by now. All right. And ultimately, like him or not, because, you know, he's, there are certain things he does that just aren't for adults. Yeah, Just straight up, that's how it is. <laughs> So I mean, it's something you just have to live with because ultimately, I how many other people have have had more successful big matches than him?
0: It, it, the the list gets real slim. Um, we're gonna transition to the next question. Um, Triple H uh, was was prominently ranked in your book. Can he one day rise to the top?
3: Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, that John Cena could is likely to. He, triple h is the next hurdle for for john Cena to jump statistically um, but triple h has pretty much done the bulk of what he's gonna do All right um so I don't think that he's gonna have enough opportunities he, i guess he might i mean he's you he would one would think that triple h is not going anywhere for a long time I right. mean, he's in his mid40s now and he doesn't really look like it and he doesn't wrestle like it when he does get in the ring he's still Uh, He's still able to to go at a really high level. So, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I I have a hard time seeing Triple H go up any further. I think he's destined to move backward more so than to move up. Right. Um,
0: How much did did CM Punk leave on the table by walking out like... Oh, man, I
3: think he left a lot on the table. Uh, I think another two or three years at the level that he was going, I I think he was going to jump into... Um, um, well, I think he, he would he at least would have made a case for himself jumping into the, the top 15 or so. I, am not sure that, um, you know, given who's ahead of him, um, he would have had to go for quite a bit longer to mm-hmm. get into that, that category that really, in my opinion, begins with, um, mm-hmm. with Mick Foley and Batista and, and, and Kurt Angle and that group, um, to to really get into that category would have taken several more years at the level he was going. But, um, you know, certainly there was something left on the table. Right. I'm not sure. I think there was some upward mobility there.
0: Um, I think this is just me, but I think WWE threw a wrench in your whole system with how they're doing Daniel Bryan this year. (laughs) Would
3: you, would Uh... you disagree? (laughs) (laughs) Because,
0: well, I'll tell you what, in what sense,
3: in what sense,
0: uh, like, you know, as far as the the headlining match factor, uh, you know, just, just when we're looking for, okay, what did this person do during each of his WrestleMania opportunities? Well, you know, it's not really, you know, a big match. And he basically this year, he had a chance to win another world title pretty much in the main event. And instead he's,
3: you know, he's where he is. Well, it's certainly not going to help Daniel Bryan's case. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, historically speaking, I think it's going to be, I did not personally in the book give a lot of weight to um, to guys who split their credit amongst five, six, seven, eight other guys in mm-hmm. ladder matches and multi-man matches. Right. So, you know, if for, from, from a historic standpoint, even if this match ends up being absolutely fantastic, the odds of it, Registering uh, as something that contributes to Daniel Bryan statistically for for you know future editions' sake, I really don't think it's going to. Unfortunately, I, I wish there was something he was doing that um, was important enough to register, but I just I don't really feel like he is.
0: Right. Same here. Um, Well, that's going to transition into our next segment so we're going to take a quick break Um, when we we come back we're going to be talking about this year's uh, Wrestlemania what they're leaving on the table Um, we're going to be talking about Chad's latest article um, Wrestlemania where it all begins again and like I said the third segment we'll be diving into Wrestlemania history Um, this is One Nation Radio listeners of One Nation Radio the best listeners in the world at what they do this is Rich, writer from whatculture.com, pwmania.com, and socialsuplex.com. And I just have a few things I got to mention to you while you guys are listening to this beat. And before we get back to the show, while you're enjoying the show, I'm sure you're thinking, man, how can I help these guys out? They seem pretty cool. Well, there's a few things you can do and they don't take long at all. We don't have a machine behind us or anything. Um, so we just need Subscribe to One Nation Radio on iTunes and make sure you rate it five stars. If you enjoy it, leave a rating, um, tweet it to us at One Nation Radio, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, Words can't express how important this is. Um, It gets the show to more listeners and helps grow our profile in the podcast world. If you would like to donate monetarily to One Nation Radio, visit onenationradio.podomatic.com and click the PayPal button on the right side. Anything you guys would be willing to give is a blessing. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. We do live tweeting on most Mondays and pay-per-views at One Nation Radio at Danger Rich32 with 2Rs and at James Boyd ONR. If you're a fan of the show and you would like to book us on your podcast, um, drop us an email, radio one Nation at gmail.com or hit us up on the um, Instant Messenger on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to read any of my articles on the aforementioned sites, you can find them all at richlattawrestling.com where my archive is. Um, I appreciate everyone listening to this show. Um, let's get back to it. Welcome back to One Nation Radio. No, everyone don't get scared of Brock Lesnar isn't coming out to shoot on us or anything. So, uh, Still sitting here with James and Chad. Um, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 31 right now. and Where else but to start or what better place to start than with the next big thing or the the Beast Incarnate, a.k.a. the biggest baby face on the roster right now, (laughs) Brock (laughs) Lesnar. Yeah, so um, I brought this up on our last podcast. I thought Jim Ross was kind of being facetious when he said, uh, Brock would be the biggest babyface going into WrestleMania. Chad, do you feel like, 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 what what caused this?
3: Well, I think it was a conglomeration of things. Um, you know, if you look back at the last several years, anybody that wrestles John Cena uh, typically becomes a de facto babyface. All right. Um, <laughs> right. And I think so, the fact that they pushed. Brock Lesnar against John Cena over and over and over again and didn't give him really any other opponent between last year's WrestleMania and, you know, the moment that Seth Rollins inserted into the whole situation. I mean, John Cena is more or less to a very big part of the audience, a heel. Uh, Seth Rollins is arguably the most over heel in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Somebody's got to get cheered. You know, <laughs> right. So, um, I think that was part of it. I also think, I mean, it's kind of a byproduct of. I mean, you get if you're going to push a guy like nobody has ever been pushed, um, eventually some people are just going to start to like it. Right. And, uh, and Brock Lesnar's dominant style, and you know, I mean, he's been really good this last year. I mean, uh, Paul Heyman is absolutely awesome. So, I mean, it's just, I think there were a lot of factors that led up to it, but I think the biggest one is just you, you put him against someone like John Cena who people
2: don't like, and somebody's going to get cheered. Yeah. Right. I remember specifically uh, the Monday after SummerSlam when he beat him, in, you know, he beat the hell out of him for 16 minutes uh, via German suplex after German suplex, and the, the crowd gave him like a, a halfway, like, standing ovation like thank you yeah I, I was just like wow like i was
0: like if this was Daniel brian y'all wouldn't be be cheering right now yeah and
2: i remember i said to you it's like that's exactly what the issue was like people people want to love this because he like you know what say what you want about the match whether you loved it or you didn't it, obviously it was entertaining because you don't it was entertaining for the fact that you never see a match like that where someone just gets beat for 16 minutes straight yeah. in the title match in the main event but he came out and just Right. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, my question for you uh, actually is: um, Overall, uh, since Brock's actually um, broke the streak up till now, um, would you consider his uh, his run for for WWE? We consider that a a net, a net positive. Um. <laughs>
3: No, pardon me if i reserve judgment until uh, after we see what happens at wrestlemania to be honest with you um i think it, if, if everything goes well at wrestlemania then i think we can look at the whole thing as a success um i think overall i have i've been one of the types that's been somewhat torn about it um the fact that he's not around doesn't really bother me But at the same time, it kind of does bother me. It's like my my opinion on Brock Lesnar is is pretty much nothing but contradictory. Um, I think he's, I think he's he's really good, but at the same time, he's kind of dangerous. I, you know, I think he's, uh, I think it's kind of interesting that he's not around all the time, but at the same time, it'd be nice if he was around more, um, you know, it, it's just—it's all contradictory to me. I thought the the streak match last year ending—I mean, that was amazing. I'll never forget that. But the match kind of sucked. Yep. Um, <laughs> back, back and forth, back and forth, I go. So I don't know. To be honest with you, man, I think uh, I think it's really going to boil down to how well this match with Roman Reigns goes. Uh, if it ends up being better than I think it will be, and. Roman Reigns gets put over strong, and it manages to, to get the crowd on, uh, on Reigns' side. And, I mean, because I've always looked at this whole situation as the, the success of looking back on the streak ending is largely going to be built by what happens at WrestleMania 31. I felt that way from the moment that they went with the streak ending. Yeah. So we're about two and a half, I guess we're about two and a half weeks from finding out. So uh, ask me again later. I guess is my best response.
2: Right. Okay. That's more than fair. Um, so as far as, since we're talking about, you know, in two and a half weeks, how uh, we know what's going to be, you know, what might be the ultimate deciding factor in that match. Um, what are your expectations on the crowd during that match? I think,
3: I, I think it would be surprising if anything, but Brock Lesnar getting massively cheered, and Roman Reigns getting massively booed uh, ended up ha- happening. I, I expect that the crowd will uh, maybe at, at, at the very early well, and well, and, uh, and again going back to the whole thing about contradictory statements about about Brock Lesnar and his matches. There's a part of me, guys, that feels like this crowd in the main event is gonna is gonna is gonna be very quiet. That's that's the biggest yeah. thing that I, I worry about for them. I would love. If it was just like a WrestleMania 22, raining down booze on the presumed next top babyface and <laughs> yeah. giving the uh, giving the heel quite a bit of shine, but I have a sneaky suspicion based on how I've been looking at these crowds at a lot of these shows lately that the crowd's going to be awfully quiet.
0: Yeah, hmm. like with the Reigns thing, like 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 where did it go wrong? Like <laughs> like where? Like what was the like? We know the tipping point was pretty much at the Royal Rumble. The tipping
2: point was, was once Daniel Bryan got thrown out of the Royal Rumble just in January. That's exactly when everybody, that's the exact, when everything over, flew, that's what, that's the exact to of the table. But like, what le- I'm trying to figure out what I'm still trying to understand. What was the beginning of it in your eyes? The
3: beginning of it to me was back last summer when they decided that they were going to start pushing him like a traditional baby face, uh, Roman Reigns, when he was getting over in the Shield, it was because they handled his his appearances in matches really well. Uh, the Shield's matches were always booked extremely well. Known. Yes. His job was to come out and smash everything in his sight.
0: Clean it up. And
3: then leave. That was what he did well. And he would he would grunt and spit in the camera, and it would just, you know, this is the future and then everybody would pop and then he would go and spear and get that jumping, uh, the jumping kick on the apron and he would do the Superman punch and do the ooh ah, and then everyone would go nuts. And then it was very bam, 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 bam. Very, very Goldberg like in its, and its ability to, to get him over. And then when the summer came along and I, I remember talking about this in my podcast that when it came to booking Seth Rollins, I could just hear in, in my mind's eye, I could just see a symphony orchestrator just conducting with his wand, and the symphony's just, you know, beautiful music is playing in the background. And that's what I thought of when I thought of how the creative team was back there booking Seth Rollins. <laughs> and then I pulled up a clip of the Tasmanian devil going, <laughs> <laughs> and that is what I hear. When I think of what it must have been like in the creative meetings in terms of how do you book Roman Reigns, it's like I could not think of a dumber way back in the summer to try to capitalize on his momentum that he had coming out of the Shield by, tr- by booking him like a, an unrelatable doofus, talking promos that were real. Hey, you know, I'm you know, trying to be the white meat baby face guy and, and not accentuating his badassery. Uh, you know they they made that was when it all started going downhill and uh my sincere hope when he went down with that injury was that it was going to be a blessing in disguise and he would come back and they would have rectified that situation by further accentuating his um you know the the badass qualities that made him popular in the first place but instead he's out there talking about suffering (laughs) suffering
2: (laughs) <laughs> uh, that is so
3: that for, and that to me that, that that was it was it's been poor his character has been poorly booked pretty much since the shield broke up
2: yeah uh it i i i just it, it's interesting to uh you know talk to and keep in mind like you know this is the first time me me and me and Chad have ever talked before yeah and it's just interesting to you know always hear people's takes on certain things and like, he, he that's that's why you should buy the book. Yeah, like <laughs> that's why he buy the book. <laughs> that's he, it. Like he eloquently he eloquently stated all the all the issues encompassing in those in those what since summers or not since Summerslam since uh, the what Shields Money in the Bank since Money in the Bank I guess up yep. till now and then there you go uh, transition it like uh, let's see what else we got
0: on the Undertaker and Bray Wyatt
2: oh I was just gonna ask him. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead.
0: You, you the, sp- the Undertaker and Bray Wyatt. Um, this feud should should this be
3: happening right now? Did you guys listen to to the Bray Wyatt Steve Austin on um, Steve Austin podcast? I did. Yes, that to me is the reason why this should happen. It should happen because it's a reflection of how WWE sees Bray Wyatt. That Bray Wyatt dream feud at Wrestlemania was against Undertaker and both WWE and Undertaker himself thought highly enough of Bray Wyatt to allow it to happen um, I think that Undertaker deserves a chance to right the wrong from last year and I mean that in, in multiple ways You know, I think there were two streaks that died last year there was the 21-0 and 0 undefeated kayfabe streak and then there was the streak within the streak of so many classic undertaker matches at wrestlemania in a row
0: and that's like one of the and first things i connected with you about like and i've even referenced that in some of my columns while giving you credit for it like the streak within the streak it became wrestlemania it started with uh with batista if i'm not um mistaken that it did yeah that it did it started with batista and went all the way to wrestlemania 29
3: pretty much yeah, it did. I mean, I can't think of a single one of those seven matches um, that, in my opinion, wasn't a classic. And last year's match was not. And, and you know, there was. There's been the rumor of the concussion and his state of health after the match. He didn't look particularly good going into it. Uh, yeah. So the, the concussion and his performance. Looking back at what he looked like pre-WrestleMania 30 is. Was never all that surprising, but I would still I'd like to see him get a shot at getting at leaving a better memory. Uh, I don't want my last memory of Undertaker to be a lousy match where nobody was reacting at all. Uh, an otherwise hot crowd, I might add, in right. New Orleans was not reacting at all. I don't want it, I don't want that to be the last memory I have of Taker. I want to see I want Taker's last match, if this is indeed his last match, to be uh, you know, a classic, at least a very good match with a hot crowd and an opponent that really, really wants to be there. Right, James, we go.
2: How do you think the the crowd split will be for that match? As far as what percent do you think will be uh, in White's uh, corner, and what percent do you think will be Undertaker's corner?
3: Let's go conservatively, seventy thirty Taker.
0: That's high. Uh, uh just I, I, just just for Bray Wyatt because like Bray Wyatt's gathered such um such praise in, on within the hardcore fans and you know everyone always likes to kind of say you know Wyatt's kind of been you know ever since he lost to Cena he's had no direction and you know they they just ruined him you know meanwhile that's the only feud that that Wyatt's ever lost and true. I think that I don't know if, if Bray Wyatt losing would necessarily be the best decision for this match.
3: And then you look the I don't other. think it would be the best decision. I, I think Bray Wyatt winning. Um, you know, I, I, if, if the fact that, that, that Undertaker is wrestling this year makes me think that he's also going to wrestle next year. Uh, I in still Dallas. believe that there is money to be made in advertising Undertaker's last match. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that now that the streak is done, that it's, a, it's an interesting story waiting to be told for him to try to actually be the vulnerable guy trying to get a win. Um, so I think this is, um, I think that Bray Wyatt should win this match. I think that Bray Wyatt, since he is a character that is, as you mentioned, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of feuds. I mean, we're, it's, it's a rare thing when you can look back at a guy's last year and he only really have had this being his fourth storyline. Um, I think that it, this could give Bray Wyatt a lot to talk about for several months, um, and I don't think it's going to hurt Undertaker. I think it would do wonders for Bray Wyatt, and I think that, that Undertaker can get his can get a win next year. All right. Um, what
0: else we have? Uh, Rusev and Cena. This is this has got to be the most interesting thing on the card, um, yeah. James simulated blowing his brains out um, with the thought of this match because it's so 1987 of uh, of
2: so WWE. Hulkamania. Yeah, so
0: Hulkamania. Uh, we're not particularly big fans of Rusev here on One Nation Radio. Um, <laughs> but, just speaking no, conservatively, um, Chad,
2: can you can you fill us in on what what I'm personally missing on with with Rusev? Well, you know, I can appreciate your
3: your comment about the the 1980s. I mean, it, his his character is, is basically a bunch of a bunch of uh, caricatures from 80s action films. You know, he's he's Attila from Lionheart, John Claude Van Damme.
1: He
0: wrestles like
3: the semifinal opponent from Bloodsport. He, uh, yeah. You know, he's got a little Chong Lee Li in him. I mean, he's got an Ivan Drago in him. You know, he's, he's Bridget Nielsen with her hair pulled back. You know. Um, yeah. You know, with it's looking looking a little bit better than Bridget Nielsen is Lana, but uh, yes. you know, it, it is. It's it's definitely it's a conglomeration of of '80s action villains. But lost amidst all that, that's the way I felt when the whole thing came about. But um, the the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not sure that there's anybody but Seth Rollins that had a better year in 2014 than rusev that guy surprised me quite a bit with how good he is in the ring um with actually how dedicated he is to his craft because he's gotten better in pretty much every avenue he's a real hill uh, i'll do him that i I think that's the thing to me is is that it started out as okay here's just another dead-end anti-american gimmick but behind the dead-end anti-American gimmick is a talent who is showing himself to be the kind of guy who could be around for a really long time you know he'll get repackaged and he'll do something else and if this if this character is any indication he'll do it well and he'll be around for a while we'll be talking about rusev a few years down the road Mm. in a headlining situation he seems to have something more than um than, than this gimmick, he's got something there. So I, uh, unlike you guys, I am a big fan of Rusev. Cool. Uh,
0: so we've got to we've got to dive into it. Um, the ladder match uh, for the Intercontinental Championship.
2: Wait, wait, wait! you know you don't want to talk about Triple H and Sting?
0: I mean, wh- which one do you want to do first?
2: I mean, uh, Triple H and Sting is a marquee match. Okay,
0: we'll go with that first. We'll we'll, we'll say the ladder match for for last on this
2: one. So uh James, you want to lead that. What um what are your thoughts on their their insistence on mentioning the WCW angle and ultimately how well do you think they've executed um trying to explain the the character of Sting to the younger audience? Uh well,
3: in regards to the mentioning of WCW, um, I think, yeah, you, in part, you, you have to get that out there to an extent because right. of that really being the only—I mean, that's, that's Sting's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't personally think that it needed to be quite so front and center, uh, and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you in saying I really don't think anything's been built up particularly well. On this card. Uh, <laughs> uh, we agree. So Sting and Triple H is, is really no exception to that. This to me has been one of the most lackluster WrestleMania builds I have ever seen. And I have been studying it and for a long, long time. And but I think that Sting and Triple H, you know, have they done an adequate job introducing Sting to the modern audience? Adequately would be the the key word yeah i would say it's been adequate i don't think it's been good i think that they've done okay with it i think that um i liked how it started i thought they did a good job of introducing sting by putting him in a high profile situation at survivor series and kind of being that guy who fights for um the for the other guy introducing him in such a way to where he's immediately opposite the, the dominant heel faction. Um, but I think in the last few weeks, just like they've done with everything else, it's it's like uh, they began to coast when they weren't really in a position yet where they could. That may or may not affect how people react to it at WrestleMania. Time will tell. But um, I think that that Sting right now I I would imagine there's probably still a lot of people in the audience that are like, why the hell is this guy here? (laughs) I don't think they've done a good enough job to win over everybody. And I think that they probably had a lot of people to win over. Um, And I'm not sure that they have.
2: And the the thing for me that's so weird is there's certain things, there's a lot of stuff they've done. Or half of it is, there's no like, they did an okay job. It was either that was really good, or what was that?
0: Yeah, like the flare thing was awesome.
2: The flare thing was very smart. Um,
0: Booker T one, yeah, I'm, it yeah. was okay.
2: Their face, I didn't like that. Yeah, I, the face, their face to face meeting it with the you know with the symbolism of the, the sledgehammer versus the bat. I I love that, but I, that might just be me because I'm a sucker for for that stuff. Uh, and you know, as you said him coming out and pretty much basically being um, a, the fighting crusader for Dolph Ziggler on, on yeah. two different occasions like that. I thought those were good ideas, but I, I just last week with the whole video package and it, it seems like they're trying to tell two different things. Like either they want to go with the, he's, he's basically Batman
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: or they're trying to say like, he's, and another, and you almost like, Wait, are they trying to say he's trying to get revenge for on WWE's behalf from 14 years ago? Like, or it seems, like, WCW, no, it seems yeah. like, I'm sorry, yeah, from WCW. It seems like those are the two things they're doing. And it's, I, mean, I don't think it's necessarily on purpose. I just think it's like by them missing WCW, it's kind of like distracting from what they're trying to what do. What the
3: real story is. Right. Yeah. And it's the problem with having, and it's been one of the big problems with this year's WrestleMania build, is you've got three of the top five. Feuds for this card, and three, uh, you know, in the other half of three of these feuds is never around, you know, is never around to tell their side of the story. It makes sense for a degree for Triple H to assume in his, you know, hubristic mind that he thinks that Sting is coming after him because he took out his company.
0: You know? Right. And it might be something but totally different that we don't know really yet. It would be
3: really easy for Sting to just show up one day and said, "Actually, that's not why I'm coming after you. I'm not <laughs> coming after you because you represent this, that, and the other." You know, so I think that video package they did last Monday was about three weeks overdue. <laughs> uh, you know, it, sometimes it's not a bad thing to, you know, leave people wanting more. But sometimes it's not a bad thing to just outright say, "All right, this is the point of conflict." So and make that clear because you know leaving this such a cloudy situation up until the video com- comes out last week was has been i think somewhat confusing right certainly from speaking, a storytelling
0: standpoint speaking, speaking of good ideas but only the exact opposite daniel bryan will be in a <laughs> eight man ladder match for the intercontinental championship um i can't be the only one disappointed by this Um, if we're looking at Daniel Bryan, um, and he came back in December, how do you get Daniel Bryan to WrestleMania, Chad?
3: Well, I think they were always going to have a problem with him having unfinished business and his fans wanting to see him accomplish that unfinished business. I think that that's always was going to be an issue if they brought him back in time for WrestleMania. If I had the book, I honestly think that they should have given his history with the authority. um, I thought it would have made a lot of sense to take all of the heat that was going to be garnered by him, not winning the Royal rumble and him not going to WrestleMania to win the championship. I thought it would have made all the sense in the world for the authority to basically employ the use of Seth Rollins to screw him out of it and set up Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan and let the authority versus Daniel Bryan continue, letting that then be the obstacle that Daniel Bryan had to overcome, basically using what worked last year and just continuing it outside the championship situation. Um, That's how I would have played it out because you already got Seth Rollins that people love to boo. Um, It would have made his he would have taken his heat to atomic levels and it would have provided both guys with an amazing opportunity to have the undeniable and what i feel right now is missing and that is the undeniable match that you can look on this card and say that's going to be the greatest match on this card yeah um that's what i would have done there's a lot of lumbering
0: big guys at wrestlemania this year in those top matches.
3: And, or a lot of guys. question marks as to the quality. Now, a lot of them could end up being great. Yeah. Um, a lot of them could end up being great. I think that there's, there's probably a lot more potential with this overall card um, than people are giving credit for. Uh, but there's no question that right now I can't look at this card and say, that's going to probably be the best match
2: like, there's a lot of variance. Like, on paper, you look at it and see, wow, it's Sting versus Triple H. And then on one end, you think, wow, those guys have been in how many main event title matches before? And, you know, their minds together, they can pull off something great. And then on the other end of that, you think, but their combined age is 100, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, same, and, you know, same thing goes for Undertaker, given what he looked like last year. Plus, he's in there with, with Wyatt. And, I mean, I don't think Wyatt necessarily is a, is a guy that that beats you up like Brock does in the ring, uh, physically, just trying to get through the match. Right. But at the same time, like why it works better with smaller guys? Same, that's what it seems like. Um, so far, so far in his career. Um, in, in your in your mind, uh, if there was, if, uh, if I actually have to ask you if whether whether what would you possibly have done with Randy Orton in his return? Um, how would you have handled that if you had the book?
3: If the, if the situation with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins that I described actually happened or independent of that?
2: Um, independent of that. Like, imagine if that, you know, unfortunately we don't. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have seen Seth Rollins and uh, Daniel Bryan too, but that just didn't happen. So based given on what actually events had actually happened at Royal Rumble um how and given what happened you know since he did, came back at Fastlane how would you have handled um him I would have back? actually I would have done
3: well, I would have basically if you go back to Hello? Hello? If you go back to that night um well, I guess it was what? Right after Hell in a Cell. Yeah. When Randy Orton turned on the authority and snapped and, and hit Triple H and RKO'd everybody around him. And it was basically the night that he finally was fed up with Seth Rollins. I would have basically just recreated that. And I would have done it the night after Fastlane. I, I thought it was... It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Even though he explained it well on SmackDown this week by saying, you know, yeah, you know, I I infiltrated the authority and, you know, got back in their good graces and then I made my move. To me, that whole back in their good graces thing didn't make sense uh, because – and Stephanie McMahon said something that really has rung out in my mind ever since. But that night after Fastlane, she said, we know you, Randy. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, you know this guy. You know Randy. You know you know he's not going to let it go from a character standpoint. You know he's eventually going to snap again. You just saw that back after Hell in a Cell. So what would make you think that getting him back in, their, in your good graces is actually going to do anything but delay the inevitable? That, that's kind of the way I felt about the whole thing. So if I had the book, I would just simply have had him snap and just – I would have had, during that segment with Stephanie McMahon, I would have had him RKO her.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I would have
3: had him go on a rampage the last three weeks, just nailing everybody he could whenever he could, sneaking through the crowd, pulling a Steve Austin 1998, and just showing up Middle fingers and all to RKO everybody out of nowhere. That's that's what I would have done. Now
0: that's something for the video package. RKO to Stephanie.
2: Well I mean he Bam. when he gave her the DDT in back in two thousand nine. Yeah. And that's actually what she alluded to about think of the things all oh, the atrocities you've committed. You what you've done sure to me. what you've done to my family, what you've done to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I So I guess now we can um we can actually just get to uh what match are you most actually intrigued to see on the card? Overall,
3: The match I am most curious to see is actually the main event. Uh, I am not in any way, shape, or form against Roman Reigns. Um, I want to see him succeed. And I want to see how this match gets booked. Because right now, Brock Lesnar's been booked about as strongly as I've ever seen anyone booked. How do you book him to lose how do you book roman reigns to beat that guy clean how do you book roman reigns with everything taken into account with the crowd uh with paul Heyman, with uh, with you know you've got to make him look good you've actually got to make him look amazing and i have no idea how they're going to do it And I am fascinated to see how they find how they actually choose to pull it off. It could end up being a complete and utter disaster. But if they figure it out, then it could be absolutely amazing to watch at the same time for a lot of reasons. All right. Well, that's
0: going to wrap up our second segment. When we come back, we're going to talk for a little bit. Chad, you got one more segment in you?
3: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Uh, We're going to talk about um, some WrestleMania history, uh, some di- some different, you know, questions like, you know, what's the worst Wrestlemania ever, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, underrated WrestleManias and, you know, best matches of particular years and, you know, stuff like that, but um, whatever else pops in our head, but this is One Nation Radio. Welcome back to One Nation Radio. Yes, you're hearing it right, that is Slick's music playing in the background. We had a spirited discussion uh, just briefly during one of our breaks about, you know, Slick being on uh, the Arsenio Hall show uh, back in the day. Slick and Akeem, yes. And, uh, where Slick said uh, Akeem was going to be the first black WWE champion. Now, if that isn't absurd on, you know, enough levels, like...
2: I like, I don't I don't know like the thing is like wow that's offensive and then you think wow I don't know if that cracks WWE's top ten top ten raceometer. Like <laughs> this so like I I don't know if I should be offended or I should just sigh and be like, Wow, I can't believe that this is so bad and I watched this and it's not even this does not even rank in the top ten. Yeah. Uh so Go, go ahead. And, uh, okay, we're gonna we,
0: we're gonna jump into to some kind of comedic questions. We'll jump into some serious ones. So, a lot of people are split. Um, I've read your column one time uh, about the best WrestleManias ever. What I want to know: um, WrestleMania nine or WrestleMania eleven? What's worse? <laughs>
3: WrestleMania nine.
0: Hmm. I, I'm Social I'm of Media. the I'm of the WrestleMania eleven. Yeah, yeah, so terrible So what
2: in your mind what sticks out for you as wow that's just absolutely atrocious that's on the card and WrestleMania 9 Um it's well Giant Gonzalez versus
3: Undertaker
2: <laughs> the, yes. uh,
3: the end of the show even <laughs> at even as a 9 year old at the time was bad I mean it was You know, I mean, I was a huge Hitman fan, and then for Undertaker—or excuse me, not Undertaker—but for Hulk Hogan to come down and and win the title, uh, you know, it just—it was one of those things. I even remember back then. After that night, I stopped watching wrestling for like a year. (laughs) Wow! And I didn't even know why. I mean, I don't think I really knew why. I was like, man, Bret Hart lost, and Hulk Hogan came out and
2: won. He cashed in money. Yeah, mean, that, I mean, that's, that's the earliest not, money like in the that.
0: bank cash in. <laughs> that's what I coined it, like, in a couple of uh, columns I had.
3: Well, WrestleMania 9, to me, is, is worse just because I don't really think it has many redeeming qualities. Whereas WrestleMania 11, you got the Shawn Michaels and Diesel match, which is really good. You got the um, You got the Jeff Jarrett. Match with Razor Ramon, which was pretty good. You got a tag team title match that's pretty good. There's there's some pretty good stuff on there. Um, but WrestleMania nine is 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 a real it's a real chore to sit there for three hours and watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: Uh, yeah, WrestleMania eleven for me is just like the um, Undertaker one with a clothesline um <laughs> against King Kong Bundy. Well. have you got have you ever heard the story that uh at WrestleMania 11 uh Razor Ramon was supposed to fight Undertaker and basically turn heel and fight Undertaker but they scrapped it for whatever reason? No, no. And Razor pretty I much Razor pretty much. Uh, I think it was a book called Titan Sinking by James Powers if I'm not Um, mistaken it's basically the year 1995 he writes about and um, that was pretty much the last draw where Razor was like fuck this I'm out of here like whenever my contract's done like you know I'm never going to be able to go back up you know again like to be a major guy so um, yeah I think that would have helped Wrestlemania 11 a lot
2: yeah
0: absolutely Um, so what's the best match of Wrestlemania 10
3: I think the best match at WrestleMania ten is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> that to me is a that's a blueprint for how to work a simple story for twenty minutes and not get too cute and not get over complicated. It's just it's the it's as simple it's the most simple example of awesome you'll ever see.
0: Right. I, I also say it's because the ladder match when you watch it now it feels dated just because uh it, because it feels there's it's primitive there's been a million ladder yeah, matches where people killed,
2: are trying to kill themselves where Edge you know almost breaks his neck yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry that, that Sean and Shawn and Razor didn't break their neck like you know back in '94 but at but the same whatever. time
0: like you know there's regular wrestling matches every week you know and the the Bret Hart versus Owen holds up right now.
3: Okay, so my. Well, I do think that I think HBK and on. Razor holds up too, yeah, they both uh, and, I, and the reason I say that is because it was the class of ladder match that that was really more story based rather than stunt based. There were right. stunts, but it was more about the story, and the story stands the test of time. The stunts, if you watch it, it and, you, and if you're if you're watching it for the purpose of trying to see, um, you know, this aesthetically eye popping type stuff, then it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't do that anymore. You're right, but it, it, the story itself, I think, does stand the test of time. So it's not a. I don't think it's a wide margin. I think Bret Hart versus Owen Hart uh, stands the test of time a little bit better because it's timeless. That that type of match is just timeless. But uh, I, I still love the ladder match too. Right. Um.
2: So
0: you got
3: one, James?
2: Yeah. Um. Which. WrestleMania main event, do you think is the most overrated historically? Huh,
3: overrated. The most overrated WrestleMania main event. Um, <laughs> overrated. I would have to say Shawn Michaels and Undertaker too. great match, no doubt, Um, but something missing that was there the year before. Uh, I thought it over-relied on finishing moves. I thought it was certainly the best match of 2010, but 2010 was kind of a weak year. Uh, I think that uh, when I watch things like Michaels and Jericho or um, the Triple Threat from 2004 or... Rock Austin from 17, um, you know, I, I think that those matches just, they, they hold up better because a match that relies too much on finishing moves doesn't really feel like, um, it just, there's something to me, there's, there's an element of storytelling missing from it. It was, um, And and, and the funny thing is I say that and then I think about a match like Undertaker and Triple H from the following year, which heavily relied on finishing moves too, but also because it was 30 minutes instead of 23 minutes, they had an extra seven minutes to intersperse throughout it certain storytelling moments and psychology that that HBK Taker 2 just didn't have. All
0: right, so you you had one, James, it was, uh, what was your you know, flash most oh. overrated main event
2: oh in my in my mind i think of rock cena 2 but that's but i don't know if that's because of the their namesakes are are so big that you expect them to have you know just the you know just a gigantic match mm-hmm. but given the fact that you know rock got tore Everything in his in, in his body yeah. in the middle of that match. I don't know if that's necessarily fair or what. I don't. That's but that's just me. Uh,
0: I would say uh, this is gonna this is gonna sound blasphemous, but Austin
2: versus Michaels fourteen. Yes. Do you think people hold that in a huge esteem outside of as far as like the actual quality of the match? No. I, I mean. Because when I think of that match, I think of the moment, like the moment. Yeah, that's more of a moment than the the Uh, national quality of
0: the match. That's fair. Um, the most underrated WrestleMania ever is most
3: underrated. Um, hmm, most underrated. I think the most underrated is, is 18. Um, hmm. I think that's an absolutely amazing WrestleMania and people seem to refer to it as a one, one match, match show. show. <laughs> and it's not, you know, uh, it's not a one match show. The main event was not nearly as bad as people made it out to be. Um, you basically, if you look at, I think I'll call directly quote my book to the best of my ability on this, but, um, you had, in in Flair versus Undertaker, I mean, you basically, that, on any other card, you know, that would have stolen the show. Um, that was, I mean, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was, that was a solid theft, whereas, you know, and then Rock and Hogan came in later and just complete Grand Theft Auto, you know, I mean, they just yeah. completely stole the show, but... You had that. You had really solid undercard matches. I thought RVD versus Regal was really good. DDP versus Christian was really good. Edge versus Booker T was okay. Kurt Angle versus Kane was really good. Uh, you know, across the board, even that tag team title four way was, was entertaining. I mean, I think that's just one of those cards where people say, Rock Hogan. And, mm-hmm. and that's uh, it. there's not many WrestleManias that I can sit down and watch. For four hours and being as thoroughly entertained as I am by WrestleMania 18.
2: Speaking of um, that paper, that that WrestleMania, and you, do you think that Hogan versus Rock was the loudest crowd reaction in a WrestleMania match ever?
3: Yes. What's okay.
2: Up there? I mean, because obviously, the you know people off top of their head, you think, oh hogan andre at three of course you know people losing their minds you know there's also uh savage and in uh warrior steamboat No, oh, savage it. and warrior got a huge reaction too or at least at the end what are you talking about savage and warrior
0: at uh, seven wrestlemania okay seven? yeah for wrestlemania yeah. seven okay i thought you were talking about at wrestlemania three no no no, no. yeah
2: oh. I, was, I was talking about just individual matches
3: Okay. I um, honestly, I, I I don't even think it's close. I, I think it's... Rock Hogan is in a class of its own.
2: Yeah, uh, that, that, that crowd made that match so ridiculous.
3: They, for 16 straight
2: minutes, just go nuts. I mean, I, I've never... Like, yeah,
3: there's other matches. Rock Austin at, in the Astrodome. Uh, Rock Cena at 28. Yeah. And, um, um, obviously, Cena and Triple H at 22 <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> hmm. To me, that's the closest one, probably. Uh, And if we had the luxury of 2015 quality uh, microphones back in 1987, Hogan versus Andre might be in that class, but it's hard to tell. Um, It's really hard to tell. But it's very, very easy to tell that Hogan and Rock's crowd reaction that it elicited is just... I mean, if you watch any of those matches back-to-back, Hogan, Hogan Rock just blows it away. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that.
0: What was your most disappointing WrestleMania ever? Pretty much like where they dropped the ball based on, you know, what they had. Like, you know, oh, wow, we got these guys, but we don't quite know what to do with them, but we got them scattered everywhere. But there could
3: have been a potential for, you know, so much more. Uh most disappointing WrestleMania ever. Um I think it's got to be WrestleMania 15 for me. Um the the build up, I mean that that back in that era